I'm Bob, and I collect stamps. Welcome back. This is Bob Collects Stamps, and in this galaxy at least, I'm Bob. If you're in this galaxy with me, please consider liking and subscribing on whatever platform you're using to listen. If you wander over to the podcast website, please consider dropping something in the tip jar or buy me a coffee. I truly thank those who have and those who will. I someday hope to pay for the hosting for the podcast. Meanwhile, this week I'm going to do a rather convoluted but forceful uh review for some stamps that haven't come out yet. To begin with, if you can, sit back, relax, and imagine an upward screen crawl of yellow words set against a star-filled interplanetary sky. The Backstory On June 20th, 1975, the entertainment world changed. That was the day Steven Spielberg's Jaws opened in theaters. It was the first modern theatrical summer blockbuster. A giant movie meant to be seen on a giant screen that packed in the numbers. You're going to need a bigger boat. There had been big movies before. Gone with the Wind in 1939 was a big deal, though it opened in December rather than summer. Many other films tried to become a big deal, but none quite succeeded in the way that Jaws did. Jaws has taken in $260 million in the U.S. box office. Perhaps of interest, I can find one stamp featuring that movie. It's on a Sierra Leone stamp on a sheet celebrating Steven Spielberg's 70th birthday. I just did a quick search, so there may be more. The Omen was 1976's summer blockbuster wannabe. It took in $61 million and I didn't even bother looking for a stamp from that franchise. The next year, on May 25th, 1977, the entertainment world changed again. On that day, George Lucas's original Star Wars opened. Not only was it that year's summer blockbuster, it has taken in $461 million in domestic box office. Until recently, that number hasn't been topped by any film except other Star Wars films. But the original Star Wars, now titled Star Wars Episode IV, A New Hope, did more than just cement the summer blockbuster into a thing in the entertainment industry. At some point, somewhere, George Lucas heard words like, George, some of this stuff would make great toys, and movie marketing took off beyond anybody's expectations, or even dreams. For the first time, movie tie-in toys, games, artwork, and other merchandise flew into stores, and the popularity of the movie made sure it flew right back off the shelves. I myself saw the original Star Wars 13 times in 1977, and once more the next year when our small town got the film and I didn't have to take the bus anymore. I bought posters and artwork, and attended conventions where I saw members of the cast, including Anthony Daniels. Star Wars turned 20 years old in 1997, and in that year, it started riding a wave among postal authorities around the world who were trying to reach into popular entertainment and culture to sell more stamps. Not just to stamp collectors, but to non-stamp collectors. This follows on the long tradition of trying to attract topical collectors with birds, flowers, boats, 
and other highly sought-after images. They always hope these stamps will attract people who want to just keep the stamps and not use their services. The earliest Star Wars-themed postage stamps I can find are from 1996, from St. Vincent, who jumped the gun slightly. But in 1997, the 20th anniversary of the first film, Star Wars stamps from Togo, Mali, and the Congo were issued. Several other countries jumped on the Star Wars bandwagon in the following years, but the United States didn't join in until 2007. 15 41 cent stamps and 15 postal cards were issued on May 25th, the 30th anniversary of the film's release. They featured artwork by California artist Drew Struzan and were designed by Terrence McCaffrey and William Gicker Jr., both of the USPS. They were produced by offset printing and 450 million of them were printed. Those Star Wars stamps were, frankly, awful. They were sketchy and rough. This is the painting style of the artist, and I have no complaints about that style. He has an online portfolio, and I very much enjoyed looking through it. There are marvelous things on there. But Star Wars, to me, is not sketchy. It has crisp, clean lines, maybe blurred with smoke or blowing sand, but these stamps just don't do it for me. It may have taken place a long time ago, but its look, its feel, is very cut-edge. The 15 designs all show characters in the series, and a stamp featuring Yoda was picked in a poll of Star Wars fans as the best of the lot. And I'll agree with them. Yoda's rough edges could be put down to him being 900 years old. When 900 years old you reach, look as good you are not. But even C-3PO in those stamps has fuzzy edges. Just a big old nope from me. One thing it did do well, though, was to appear as a set. When the stamps are all in a souvenir sheet, they look like they all belong. Even with different backgrounds, poses, and orientations, they all say, we're in this together. Other nations have done other Star Wars stamps since then, of course. I can find a total of 20 countries with at least 25 sets issued altogether. That's a lot of stamps. Great Britain and Chad seem to have been the big players in Star Wars stamps. Each has issued stamps in at least three years, with Great Britain's latest in 2019 and Chad's just last year in 2020. The U.S. is again going into the Star Wars business sometime this year. They will be issuing another 10 stamps, all depicting droids or robots, from the Star Wars universe. As with the original 2007 set, the golden C-3PO and his smarter, shorter friend R2-D2 will feature on stamps, along with eight other less well-known but important mechanical characters. The character figures on these stamps seem to have been done from CGI files rather than an artist's hand. Greg Breeding was the designer of this new set of stamps and the surrounding pain. William Gicker was the art director. The computer-generated character art makes them feel cleaner than the hand-painted 2007 stamps. Of course, there are no pesky humans or makeup effects to deal with when you're drawing androids, which helps in the cleanliness of lines. And they feel more Star Wars in some ways because of that. But then the effect is ruined because they're all set against what look like badly done watercolor backgrounds. I have worked in watercolors. If you add too much water, those backgrounds are the effect you get. To me, it muddies rather than enhances the stamps. A solid colored background, maybe one color chosen to unite the stamps, would be preferred, in my eyes at least. 
This is based on the released art, and it might change before production, but we can't count on that. If they're released as is, yuck. I also don't seem to have thought much about the souvenir sheet. The selvage is just a corridor from Lando Calrissian's Cloud City. The way they are, the sheet altogether looks uncoordinated. Yes, common elements are there, sharply defined and imaged figures with a wishy-washy background, but that doesn't make it feel like it's a set. Another issue I have is the characters chosen. Having seen 11 of the 12 movies, I do recognize all 10 droids, though I did not know all their names. I'm not sure a more casual fan of the films will recognize them all. Fewer stamps might have been called for in this set to make sure you don't need to wander too far. But if you are Disney, who now owns Star Wars, and feel you need to make a deal for 10 stamps, I guess you get your way. I do like these issues better than the 2007 issues, but they're still wanting in design as far as I'm concerned. My guess is their release date will be announced fairly soon. I am skeptical they will be released like the 2007 issues on May 25th. This set celebrates the 50th anniversary of the founding of Lucasfilm, George Lucas's company that he put together to produce the original Star Wars. Lucasfilm was founded on December 10th, 1971, so it's a possible date for release of the stamps. That would make it just in time for the winter holidays, but I'm not sure the USPS will be wanting to compete with their own holiday stamps. But then, it might happen then. Star Wars has a very checkered history with the winter holidays. Just look up the Star Wars holiday special on YouTube if you want to spend a really awful half hour. I'm not aware of any other big Star Wars related anniversary this year, but who knows. As far as topic collectors are concerned, there are several topics covered here. Star Wars, of course, and film, science fiction, robots, fictional characters, animation if you count CGI, actors since Anthony Daniels is inside C-3PO and Kenny Baker is R2-D2, machines, artificial intelligence, and computers as droids are merely walking computers. Collectors of comedians might collect them for C-3PO and R2-D2, either on their own or because the characters are a tribute to Laurel and Hardy. Okay, so that's my take on U.S. Star Wars stamps. Your opinion may very well vary. We're talking art and design appreciation here. There are no right answers. And you should know that no matter what I think of the artwork, I darn well will be buying these stamps just like I did in 2007. And that's it for this episode. I'll be back next week with who knows what. For the record, the one movie I've missed is Solo, A Star Wars Story. Maybe I'll watch it special. I thank Chet Philatelics from Twitter for the idea for this week. If you want me to do a podcast or maybe a video on a particular subject, I can always take suggestions. Best is to leave a comment, but you can tweet me at collectstamps, one word, or send me an email at bobcollectstamps at gmail.com. In the meantime, don't follow anyone else's rules, except take care of yourself and take care of your stamps. Thanks for listening. Remember, the Force will be with you, always. Thank you.